your day just got a whole lot better. You're listening to the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Strong themes. And coarse language may apply. Damn it. I'll skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 no. You don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return this is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. And you see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Greetings all who gather here and welcome back to Season 3 of Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, and even if it ain't, I must inform you that this is Episode 28, also known as our first episode of 2022, also known as the third ep of three, uh, the third ep of Season 3. My name is Pete. <laughs> this is Paul. And I am Dave. <laughs> so, I hope you both had a terrific Christmas, and how's your New Year shaping up so far? I I had I had an amazing Christmas. At the at the last minute, the, the, the Omicron hit hard here in Chicago and all of my holiday plans fell through. And at the urging of my girlfriend, she pointed out, you know, Dave, you have a car. You can go places for Christmas if you want to. <laughs> and so I reached out to a cousin I hadn't seen in like a decade and said, I know it's like three days to Christmas, but you got room for one more. <laughs> and they said, yeah, oh, my God, yes. Nice. And so I drove out to Walworth, New York, had my first big family Christmas I've had in literally years. I, I can't remember the last time I had so much fun at a Christmas gathering. It Where was, was it just you went? Phenomenal. Uh, it ended up being in Walworth, New York, so about a okay. nine-and-a-half-hour drive. Wow. Well, I'm getting good at that stuff because I did that big road trip last summer. Yeah. I'm getting good at the road tripping, so it wasn't that bad. But, man, they had cool. all the traditions. We did the the, the uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life and Home Alone, and all the Christmas shows were run 24-7, and it was just a blast. I had a, I had a great time. Excellent. Excellent. How about you, Paul? What's what's your New Year's looking like? Um, so far not too bad, which is pretty good for me. <laughs> Flat um, is to do up for, <laughs> for Christmas. No, Christmas was a blast. We had uh, our youngest one and his spouse up here, and I love hanging out with those two guys. They're they're fun, and my son has got just like the greatest wit in the world. Which I would love to say that he got it from me. But he probably Clearly that's not the case. But uh, <laughs> but no, we just love hanging out and we're we're watching, you know, the Christmas movies and all that. And we had to start off, you know, we start off the Christmas season on Thanksgiving. After we get done eating Thanksgiving, we cut, kick in uh, to Christmas by sitting down and watching the Muppets Christmas Carol. Okay. Nice. And we do all the songs with we do Michael Caine. Yes. Michael Caine, who played the whole role straight. He's surrounded by puppets, yeah. and he's playing his role <laughs> straight. It's like, dude, that's that's a ballsy choice. And yeah, it was. So that's how we do. It. And the thing that's hilarious is that my son-in-law 
uh, hated it. He wouldn't, he would have nothing to do with it. But for some reason, over the last few years, he slowly got infected by it to where he's like the <laughs> band leader just about when we, when we start playing it now. Wow. And I was like, Hey, what are we going to do with the Muppet Christmas Carol? So calm down, calm down. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then everything went well for Christmas. Um, infected by Muppets. That's, that's unusual. <laughs> they were picking on me. Because okay, Pete, you tell me how many times have I ever had a problem with my computer and getting online and having our meetings and everything? I don't remember you ever having a problem with it. Thank you. My <laughs> computer's over sixteen years old. <laughs> and I don't have a problem with the thing, but those guys it's sixteen that's, years old. So they had three hundred that's three hundred and twenty five in human years. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> My son-in-law had this gaming computer that he built a few years ago. Well, he updated the whole thing and gave it to me. So I've got like four terabyte of hard drive space on wow. just one of the hard drives. I got the operating systems on a solid state drive. Wow. I've got a four gig uh, graphics board on here and everything. It's it's hot, it's, it's water cooled. <laughs> yeah. That's why so I have enough computing man. power to give me this blurry background. <laughs> I love it. You can't see this at home, folks, but uh, Paul is completely blurred behind him, which is really, really good because for years we've been looking at this kind of an ugly workroom that he's these that he's podcasting <laughs> yeah, from. It's just blurred. So it's so not the hell. It's got that Vaseline on the lens effect. It's, it looks, it's, it's, you know, it's very, very sexy. You dip right in the middle where I'm at. That's right. Okay, That's now right. you can see me. So, but now everything was going pretty good. And then, but, you know, 2021, it's been such a sucky year overall with the whole COVID and everything. Had to get in one more shot across the bow before it went. And that is. I was off the week between Christmas and thing, and uh, New Year's, and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. No one's going to be here. I get to relax, enjoy myself, do whatever, get up the first morning, go to make some breakfast. And I go, yeah, the refrigerator doesn't feel as cold as it should. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Yeah, and Uh-oh. so then by lunch, I'm like, oh, it definitely isn't as cold as it should be. And so then the rest of the week was me looking for a new refrigerator because I got a service call, and the guy goes, oh, your compressor's dead. It's probably more uh, yeah. more expensive to fix it than it is to buy a new one. Mm, no, but it's fairly close, actually. <laughs> so it's like enough, close enough to go out and buy a new one. At least it's wintertime. You can take all the food outside and just leave it on the back Put it in the porch. snow, well, right? <laughs> is because just before New Year's and all that, it was still nice out. It was still in you know like in the forties and that. It wasn't cold enough in our garage <laughs> to keep the food. So it's like, okay, so I'm having to figure out stuff to keep all this shit alive until I get my hands on a new refrigerator and got it up to speed. So, But wow. it's all taken care of. It's good. I am eating cold food again. Yay! <laughs> Life is good. Yep. Well, glad to Pete, hear what that. About, what about you, Pete? What was well, your what was your Christmas, New Year's? Like? My Christmas was fantastic. My mother-in-law came in from Arizona. She's a wonderful lady. She's very... Very sweet, very generous. She, she's. I just love. Does she listen to, to the podcast? Is that why you're saying all these things? Well, I'm saying all these things because I don't <laughs> think she listens to this one. But every Christmas, I give her uh, uh, a memory stick 
a USB drive of all of the productions that I put together <laughs> in the previous year, and she listens to them, and she she gives me feedback, which is really she nice. She tells you she listens that, to them. More that than is, my mother does. You know, so, that is very I, sweet. So, and, and I know my mother doesn't listen to this one, so I, I can say anything I want, oh. really. <clears throat> Although, I love my mother, but my mother-in-law is really the one who pays attention and gives feedback and really shows an interest in what That's I'm awesome. doing. So That's very it's cool. really nice. Um, no, she drove in um, from Arizona, but going back, my, my wife went back with her, drove back to Arizona with her, spent a week with her and then flew back. It was nice um, Excellent. to uh, have her do that so that she, they could spend some time together. It was really nice. Yeah. And then Kian yeah. and I, my son and I were um, um, here by ourselves, batch bachelor uh, pad, you know, for a week, <laughs> which was nice. I got a lot of work done on on different shows that I was working on and things like that. Um, and then uh, uh, New Year's was nice. Uh, the New Year so far is working well. I've got holy cow! I'm looking at the next year. I've got the whole year mapped out for audio dramas and wow, um, um, wow. and things like that. So. Um, just some wonderful plans for the upcoming year. Really nice uh, stuff we're going to do. Um, Outstanding. Well, you guys are part of it, aren't you? You're going to be in my, yeah. my new production of Queen of Blood. Which yeah. Is, um, an audio uh, audio adaptation of an old science fiction movie that uh, is going to come out in March. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to start episode uh, season two of Adventures of the Federated Tech, the Dashiell Hammett series. And uh, we'll have Charade, the movie with Cary Grant. That's a new adaptation that I've written. All kinds of stuff. So Sonic Summerstock. I got, I got a, a, you know, I've got all these uh, picture frames uh, on the wall here, and and I can't see the pictures anymore because I have notes taped to them <laughs> of all the productions I have to take care of, <laughs> all, all of, all the plans I have, so so I can see at a glance what I'm doing in in 2022. Um, on top of that, we had a terrific, <laughs> we had a terrific production of It's a Wonderful Life. And I told you, I talked about that last month, but, yeah. uh, we're already invited back for 2022 from the theater. And, um, it's just a wonderful feeling to know that, um, um, people out there are listening and coming to see the shows and, and, and enjoying nice. them uh, and, and enjoying them. I, well, I hope yeah. they're enjoying them. They didn't say that they didn't enjoy them, but you know, they might've just they, been, I don't think they'd ask you back if they didn't, they were just being nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that guy it. sucked, but he sucked less than the other ones. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some pretty crappy productions in this theater, but this one wasn't so bad. This was less crappy. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We all aspire to that, right? You are less crappy. We all aspire to being less crappy. (laughs) We do. We do. Speaking of which. Let's talk about the purpose of our show, Dave. I would love to wax rhapsodic on that very topic. Won't you please? I would love to. The purpose of our show, as preluded by our host, Pete, uh, is to present specific episodes of our favorite old-time radio series, episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old radio like to discuss either in person or on social media, as is our want. We'll open each episode by introducing the selection, describing it briefly, 
and then we'll play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end and discuss it at length, each of us giving his opinion on its merits, its performances, or anything that stands out for us. <laughs> Thank you. And, and that's... We're laughing because of what you're going to hear in a minute. Uh, but that's exactly what we're presenting to you. Just our opinions on whether or not it's representative of that series or if it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us. And in fact, we may not agree with each other, but we do hope you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and come back for more. Now, each of us take a turn selecting a show for discussion. Um, we observed the holidays uh, last episode with my pick, an episode called The Plot Pomoitus Sanity, Sanity Clause from the Rocky Fortune series, in case you missed it. It was awesome. Uh, this month, we wanted to start off the new year of 2022 with something wonderful, something truly spectacular. Unfortunately, we can't do that. So we turn instead to Paul... Um, Paul, what do you have for us, buddy? Well, I looked at it this way. <laughs> we start bringing this in awfully high now with that Shakespeare stuff, and I just need to get the taste of that out of my ears. <laughs> now, Rocky Fortune was great, but I think we could do a little better on the humor department, so... I actually picked an episode of a very early show called Gangbusters, which used to be called G-Men for about a year. Then they changed it over to Gangbusters. And it was kind of like a precursor to Dragnet, you know, where they were using actual uh, crime stories, you know. But they were, according to the FBI, they were closed case files. So that way they didn't have to worry about giving away anything or stuff, I guess. And so... It went on for 20 years. It was a really interesting show, eh, kind of. And uh, <laughs> calm down, Dave. And so <laughs> I figured, you know what? We need to make this funny. I want to make funny. So I was looking through their episodes, and I went, "Oh God, I found funny." <laughs> so tonight is the episode uh, having to do with Harry Red Beaver. Yes? Yes, you heard me. Harry Red Beaver. Kids, you're going to want to leave the room. (laughs) Leave this to mom and dad. (laughs) We we, we don't have to put an explicit tag on this uh, because of context. Only because of context. Although the commentary it elicits may lead to an explicit context. We're going to go straight into fourth grade mode. (laughs) (laughs) Darn right. And this will probably be our highest rated episode. Because <laughs> everybody wants to know. <laughs> tell us all about the case of Harry Red Beaver. Well, we don't have to tell him. We're going to listen to it in a minute here. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> so that, well, go uh, ahead, uh, Dave. <laughs> we're going to let your imaginations sort of run wild for a second. Uh, <laughs> But we'll bring it. We'll bring it in. We'll bring it in. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find my words. Words fail in the face. He doesn't know what to do to follow up Harry Red Beaver. So, and so, without further delay, we present the case of Harry Red Beaver. First aired September fifteenth, nineteen forty-five, on ABC Radio Network. From the series Gangbusters.
And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen. And now, in cooperation with police and federal law enforcement departments throughout the United States, Waterman's Pens and Waterman's Inc. present Gangbusters. Foxholes of Europe, from the steaming jungle swamps of the Pacific, our men are now coming home to a new America. A wave of crime has followed every war, and we must not allow lawbreakers to tear down here at home the very ideals that our men have fought to preserve. Tonight, gangbusters present the authentic inside facts concerning a killer who felt he was even too tough for the army. And so Louis J. Valentine, who has just resigned as commissioner of the largest police department in the world, takes over to interview by proxy Chief A.S. Harper, chief of police of Amarillo, Texas. Commissioner Valentine. Chief Harper, I believe that one of the surest ways to combat crime is to expose it. Now we would like to have you rip this case wide open tonight. Well, Commissioner Valentine... I'd like to start back in October 1942 at 10.30 in the evening. A small-time gangster, Doc Rickett, was sitting with his girlfriend in a fashionable Cincinnati nightclub. You're a snappy-looking number tonight, Cora. You like this dress, huh? Yeah, it fits you like a glove. You're the... Hey, what are you staring at? Huh? What are you staring at? The big red-headed man over there. Any objections? Bloody, you're my girlfriend. <laughs> the redhead doesn't think so. He's smiling. Why, that's... Hey. Don't pay any attention to him, Cora. Why not? That's Red Beaver. Red Beaver? He's dynamite. The FBI and Secret Service have sent out coast-to-coast alarms. Beaver's a deserter from the Army. He's the quickest trigger man I know of. He only pulls the biggest jobs there are. Thanks, Rickett. I thought he was interesting. Now I'm sure. Now you've done it. He's coming over. You cross him and you get a bullet through your head. And you thought you were a big shot. I bet there are a million girls who wish they were in my place right now. He's sharp. Hello, pretty legs. How about a little dance? Lay off, Beaver. She's my girl. So you know who I am, I reckon? Sure, I I spotted your red hair. I'm no Sunday school teacher myself. I blow around. How'd you know my name? When I spotted good-looking here, I asked a few questions about who she was with. What's your tag, sugar? Cora. Cora Weston. Hmm. You've got what it takes, Cora. Move over, I'll sit down. I told you, Beaver, Cora's my girl. Sure, sure, I had you. You know, Rickett, I think I could use you. Maybe put you up in a big dough. Yeah? Yeah, I could use a smart guy right now in my business. What kind of business, Beaver? <laughs> the entertainment business. Yeah? Sure, I like to entertain. Let's see, we'll uh, 
start with a little Halloween party. A Halloween party? Where? In the Avondale branch of the Second National Bank. Oh, I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Halloween. You know, sweep the bank clean with the witch's broom. Suppose you take a walk for a couple of minutes, Rickard. I... I want a little board of directors meeting here with Cora. Well, I... Graham. Okay. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll get a drink at the bar, and then I'll be back. Smooth, honey. You're plenty smooth. You're kind of sugar-coated yourself, Beaver. <laughs> Believe in holidays, Cora? I guess so. Why? Today's Columbus Day. Remember, Columbus discovered America and moved in. So? So I'm taking a tip from him. I just discovered you, so I'm going to do like him. Move in. me to fix your cocktail, Beaver? <laughs> After two weeks, you have to ask me. I'll answer. Oh, no, I'll do the answer. Hello? Oh, uh, is that you, Beaver? Sure, it's me. Well, uh, I haven't got anything to do. I suppose I drop up, huh? No. Cora's my girlfriend now, Richard. Oh, uh, get your surprise package? Yeah, yeah. But a clown suit and a cowboy suit. What's the gag? Tomorrow's Halloween. You dress up fancy on Halloween, don't you? You ought to wear the clown suit, see? <laughs> Good gag, huh? Oh. Besides, the clientele at the bank will have a tough time describing a clown and a cowboy. I get it. Wait with me a while, Rickett, and you'll learn things. National Bank just robbed at $7,000 by two men in Halloween costumes. One dressed as a cowboy, one as a clown. Approach with caution. These men are heavily armed. That's all. Well, Agent Hurley, we put that warning on every teletype through the state. We at the FBI appreciate your cooperation, Captain Morse. The bandit's stunt of dressing in Halloween costumes was a touch of genius. Nobody can seem to identify them. But I've always noticed that when a man gets money easily, he spends it easily. So, as just one possible trap, I sent out an alert to nightclubs, bars, racetracks, and pool rooms to watch for men who seem to be spending money too freely. Good. Perfect. I never guess they're spending a little too much money is what we're waiting for. Like this nightclub, Cora? We've sure been covering them all, haven't we, Red? <laughs> That's me, Cora. Everything in a big way. Yeah, but Red, you've been cracking so many banks. Every day, headlines in the papers. <laughs> Rick is so scared, he doesn't even dare leave our hideout. He's pretty jealous, you know, Red. You taking me away from him. You leave Rick to me. Baby, I've got the biggest job yet lined up. A hundred thousand. Yeah? When? Christmas. 
At Christmas time, everybody gets presents. I figure maybe the uh, Charleston Trust will want to give us a present. Why do you always pick a holiday, Red? <laughs> holidays are made for guys like me. On holidays, the suckers stuff up with turkey and guzzle booze, right? They get slow and careless. Gee, I never thought of that. Booze makes them slip up. They let themselves. Uh, uh, waiter. Oh, yes, sir. Waiter, bring another bottle of that champagne over here. Huh? Coming up, sir. You're spending your money awful fast tonight, Red. That's the way I make it, isn't it? Banks have lots of money, you know. Yeah, but you've been drinking a lot. You said tonight. When a man was drinking, he wasn't himself. That's for other guys, not me. You couldn't tell by the way I talk I've had a drink. Here you are, sir. A bottle champagne. You know, someday I'm going to take a bath in that stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, sir. The bubbles are tickled. <laughs> Quick on the trigger, ain't he? Pour it. Certainly, sir. Anything else, sir? No. Here. Buy yourself a house for Christmas. Here, take it. Thank you, sir. Yes. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. You blown your top, Beaver. Giving that guy a century for a tip? Shut up and drink your champagne. Dames will crab all the time get on my nerves. You couldn't just slip the weight of the hundred. Oh, no, not you. You had to make a production of it. I said shut up. First thing you know, you... Don't you button that loose slip of yours or I'll slap you again. Now you've done it, you fool. That army sergeant saw you slap me. Oh, yeah? I eat army sergeants on toast. Oh, he's going to use that for an excuse to come over and meet you, huh? Going to chisel in like I did to get you away from Rickett. <laughs> What's the matter? Something wrong? What's it to you? Can I do anything for you, miss? No. No. Everything's all right. Hey. What was you figuring on doing, chum, if it hadn't been all right? Ah, take it easy, buddy. You've been celebrating a little too much. I suppose because you're in the army, you figure maybe I'm easy pickings, huh? Now, look, I don't want any trouble as long as the young lady says she's all right. Okay, I'm leaving. Oh, so you're going to pull up Prince Charming stuff, huh? Put that gun away. This time, Sergeant, you ran into a tough customer. Oh, if you're so tough, why don't you join the army? We need some good fighters. Oh, the army, huh? I don't see you being so brave. And besides, I don't like the looks of an army uniform. me. We've got to get out of here. Hey, how long are we going to stay holed up here in Chorus Flat, Beaver? As long as I say so, Rickett. Stop playing that piano, Chorus. Sit down, Beaver. You're driving us nuts with that walk. Shut up. If it wasn't for your nagging, this wouldn't have happened. Can you beat that? Red gets a snoop full, blows his top, shoots an army sergeant, then tries to pin the rap on me. You hadn't ought to be so quick with that rod, Beaver. You gonna start telling me how to operate? Oh, no, it ain't Killing dirty. comes pretty easy to me, Rickard. I'd remember that if I were you. The same goes for you, huh? Now, what's that? It ain't a woodpecker. See what it is, Cora. Open up in there. Cops. Stall him. Give us a chance to get out the back window onto the fire escape. If it's the cops, I'll blast them from there. Open up or we'll break in the door. Take your time, boys. Take your time. Okay. What you selling? I'm Captain Morris of the Cincinnati Detectives. Mr. Hurley's a federal agent. So what? 
We're looking for a man who was seen coming into this building. What's it on me? Every man who comes in this building don't come up here, unfortunately. Cut the comedy. We know he's here. Step aside. Hold it, copper. I'm old-fashioned. I don't let strange men into my apartment unless they've got search warrants. Really? Yeah. And that goes double for coppers. Well, by an odd coincidence, I happen to have a search warrant. Right here. Well, if you must come in... What was that? Come on. Come back from that fire escape into the room again. With your arms up. We guessed if we came in the door, you gentlemen might go out the window, so I had a few of my men out there. Smart guy, huh? I know one of them, Captain Morse, Rickett. Rickett's an old-time gangster. The redhead's a new one. I'm just an innocent bystander. The redhead is the one who shot the army sergeant. You got nothing on me, Copper. No? We had all of the nightclubs tipped off to report men who were spending money too freely. The waiter who waited on your table called us up. We examined the hundred-dollar bill you gave him as a tip. I want to see my lawyer. I don't blame you, Red. Suppose we go down to headquarters for a talk. And, uh, if I say no? Well, if you should say no, I'll tell you. You'd come along a good deal like this. Let go of me, Papa. Let go. Let go of me, will you? So Red Beaver started moving fast, Chief, Hop- Chief Hopper. Yes, Commissioner. Red Beaver didn't know what had struck him till he was safe behind bars. But the crime history of Red Beaver had not yet reached its peak. Tonight marks the first broadcast in this L.E. Waterman Company presentation of Gangbusters. And we're proud to have been able to select as chief investigator and commentator for these programs a man who has been a police officer for almost half a century and who last midnight resigned after 11 years as police commissioner of the New York City Police Department. Louis J. Valentine, as head of the largest police force in the world, has made contacts with and influenced police procedure on a nationwide scale. Federal, state, and local police departments throughout the country know and respect Commissioner Valentine as being in the forefront of our constant war against crime. Gangbusters and the L.E. Waterman Company are proud that Commissioner Louis J. Valentine will act as chief investigator on these factual cases. Well, Commissioner Valentine, how does it feel to be facing a microphone? Frankly, Mr. Gardner, it's harder to face than a gangster with a gun. But the L.E. Waterman Company has provided me with an opportunity to do something I've wanted to do for a long time. To me, gangbusters, which names names and states facts, is the ideal way to prove the folly of crime to those who might otherwise be led astray. And it's going to be my purpose to see that every program is pointed to bring about a better, safer, happy America for all. Thank you, Commissioner. And now, in recognition of your never-ending fight against crime, the L.E. Waterman Company makes the year's first network presentation of its Waterman's Deluxe Pen and Pencil gift set to you, Commissioner. Thank you, Mr. Gardner. It certainly is beautiful. But I already have a Waterman set, one that was presented to me when I became a captain of police in this department 19 years ago. And I'd rather miss one of Mrs. Valentine's home meals than lose that set. Well, Commissioner, I don't blame you. But we do want you to have this newest model Waterman's. 
Thanks, Mr. Gardner. I accept it gratefully. And I'll use them both. And now, Commissioner Valentine, back to the case of Red Beaver. Chief Hopper, Red Beaver was in the Cincinnati prison. Yes, Commissioner Valentine. And it was 16 minutes before 9 on the evening of February 12th. Red Beaver lay sprawled in his bunk, watching water pouring from his wash basin to the cell floor. Finally, he walked over to the bars separating him from Doc Ricketts' cell. Hi, Ricketts. Where's all the water coming from, Beaver? <laughs> I told you we'd break out of this joint. But if it's all the same to you, I'd rather walk out than swim out. Know what day today is, Ricketts? Sure. February 12th, so what? February 12th. Lincoln's birthday. What do you want we should do? Eat birthday cake? Yeah. You never heard what Lincoln did? He got him so shot. Is that what you're aiming for us to get? Yeah, but before he did, he uh, freed the slaves. So? Today's Lincoln's birthday, so we'll do like him. We'll uh, free the slaves. Us included. Just like that, huh? How? Plug up your base and let the water run on the floor. Why? Yours is running plenty. You're going to start raising fish in there? Do like I say. Okay, okay. Good. Now we'll wait a minute, and we call it God. And what? We yell for a dry cell. While we're switching, we hit him over the head and make a break. How's the water coming? You could launch a ship in here now. Okay. Rattle the cup. God! God! Help! Help! Hey, We're God. flooded! Get us out I'm cracking. Don't worry. We'll be all right here in Kansas City. The whole country's looking for us. <laughs> I always do things in a big way, Rickett. But I tell you, Kansas City's safe. I got it all figured out. Roadblock up ahead. Where those rotten coppers are. Coppers all over the place. I'll run over them. I'll kill them. Hold on.
Hello. Hello, Edward. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, this is Edwards. That you, Helen? Sure. Yeah, wait a minute, let me sit down, huh? You tired? I'm just not used to this Texas weather yet. Mm-hmm. How do you like it here in Amarillo? Well, that depends upon how well you like me, baby. <laughs> but I haven't seen you very often. I'll see you tonight. All right. Yeah, we'll go to a club. At... Wait a minute. What's the matter? Hold it. Can you beat that? Huh? <laughs> Two women out in the street, they bump cars. Are they mad? Uh oh. But the little one's shoving a big one around. No, no, the big one, she won't take it. Wow. <laughs> what happened? The little one gives the big one a slap. Uh oh, the cops seen him. Hey, this is a grand sand seat. <laughs> hey, they're looking up here at the window. They can see me laughing at them. <laughs> they're as good as a radio fight announcer. The cops walking across the sidewalk toward my window here. This is a laugh. If you only knew, sister. Hey, mister, you saw these two women bump cars, didn't you? Sure, I seen them, officer. I was looking right out the window here. Well, which one was at fault? Uh, no, you don't. You don't get me between two dames, especially those dames. If one of them was cute, it might be different. Hello? Hello? Uh, wait a minute, baby. I'm talking to the cop here. Well, I guess I have to take them up to the station house. Will you uh, come up with me and tell what you saw? No, wait a minute. I'm not going... Uh... Okay. <laughs> okay, sure, I'll go with you. I'd be much obliged if you would. Sure, sure, I will. Uh, hello, Sugar. I'll call you back later. All right, Edward. I gotta go see justice done. Well, Copper, lead the way. I'll put on my hat and be right with you. This is the gentleman I was telling you about, Captain Kirkman. He was sitting in the window and saw the two women bump fenders. Oh, I appreciate your coming up to the station, huh? That's all right. Uh, what's your name? Jack Edwards. Oh, I'm Captain Kirkman, and this is Captain King. I'm glad to meet you. Oh, uh, sit down, Mr. Uh, Edwards. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a pretty good police station here at Amarillo, haven't you? Oh, it serves its purpose. You a stranger in Amarillo? I've been here a couple of months. Uh, you want me to tell you about those two women bumping cars, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you don't happen to know a man by the name of Red Beaver, do you? Uh, who? Red Beaver. He's an escaped convict and a killer. No, I never heard of him. What do you ask me? I was just wondering, Red, that's all. You call me Red. My name ain't Red. It's Jack. Jack Edwards. Oh, I see. Here. There's a wanted circular for Red Beaver for desertion from the Army and killing an Army sergeant. No, I don't know what you're talking Detectives about. Detectives standing back to you all have their guns out, Red. No, no I, I didn't kill nobody. It wasn't me. I, I didn't kill him. I... Uh, what a sucker I am. Yes, you are. All police officers have been on the lookout for you. Think of me ending up here. For them two dames to bump their cars, I could bump them off. Didn't figure it might be a little plant to get you up here without any shooting. And I thought I was smart. Me, me, Red Beaver, being took in by this one-horse joint. I didn't kill that guy, though. We'll leave that to the United States Army, Beaver. They're asking for you. No, 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 look, I, I, I'll do anything. I'll tell you anything you want to know, but don't let the Army get a hold of me. Don't, 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 don't let the Army get a hold of me, please. Harry Red Beaver, as convicted by a court-martial at Fort Sill, you will, on this morning of September 26, 1944, be hanged by the neck until dead. Harry Beaver, 
Have you anything to say? No. No, I just ain't got nothing. May God rest your soul. And Commissioner Valentine, at 6.37 a.m., 20 minutes later, Harry Red Beaver was dead, executed by the United States Army. Chief Hopper, this has been a terrific case tonight, one I doubt that we will ever forget. I wish that every person in this country might have heard it. Yes, Commissioner Valentine, to Red Beaver, the men in the uniform of their country were suckers. He knew better. He knew how to get easy money. But it didn't turn out that way. And it never does. And now, before we present our urgent last-minute bulletins on persons wanted by the authorities at this very moment, the case of Red Beaver is over. But the case of the missing words remains a mystery to millions of Americans. Their only clue is the peculiar behavior of a fountain pen, a pen that sometimes writes on and on without ever seeming to run dry. And then again, it seems out of ink almost before it starts. The reason is that, in the first instance, the pen was filled with Waterman's wonderful blue-black ink and thus gave thousands of extra words. The second time, however, a different ink had been used and fewer words resulted. This tremendous difference, ladies and gentlemen, is because Waterman's blue-black is all ink, true ink. No solvents, no added chemicals, no dilution. That's why, by actual test, Waterman's blue-black ink gives you up to 6,500 more words per filling. Think of it. Up to 6,500 more words per filling than other inks tested. Now you can cut those messy pen-filling chores perhaps in half. Now you can write steadily for hour after hour after hour without pausing to refill your pen. And all you have to do is to make every filling a Waterman's filling. Yes, you can solve your own case of the missing words forever with Waterman's blue-black ink. And remember, Waterman's ink is also available in seven other pleasing and distinctive colors. All come in the convenient tip-fill bottle. Each, only ten cents. Now, gangbusters nationwide clues. Chief R.F. Worstner, Dayton, Ohio Police Department, announces a reward of $8,500 is being offered for return of two-and-a-half-year-old baby Ronald Thompson and conviction of his kidnapper. Here is description given gangbusters by Dayton police of alleged kidnapper. Woman known as Mary Wilkie, 40 to 45 years old, 5 feet 6 inches, about 150 pounds, Ruddy complexion, reddish-brown hair, believed hennet, brushed back and up, speaks with slight accent, possibly southern or eastern, pleasing personality, renew vigilance for this woman, reward now offered by Dayton, Ohio Police, $8,500. From Denver, Colorado Police, urgent bulletin concerning suspect wanted for questioning in connection with murder of J.A. Richardson, that city. Suspect described as follows. Andrew Zypus, alias Jack Wood, alias William Hammond, 36, 5 feet 6 inches, about 150 pounds, dark hair, brown eyes, 
when last seen, according to police, wore khaki shirt or jacket with blood stain on right shoulder and sleeve, where he supposedly was shot in struggle with victim, suspect believed to have left scene of crime in company of woman in green Pontiac sedan, bearing Los Angeles license ending in numerals 8-0, watch for Andrew Cyphers, wanted for questioning, murder, Denver Police Department. If you have any information concerning these clues, notify your local police, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or gangbusters at once. Now, here is Commissioner Valentine. Next week, gangbusters will present the case of the red evening dress. It's about a girl and her love for a killer. Remember, next week, same time, same station... One of the most unusual cases Gangbusters has ever presented. In the meantime, when you are buying a fountain pen or when you're buying ink, just look for the name Waterman. <coughs> Gangbusters Factual Case Histories is a Phillips H. Lord production. This is ABC the American Broadcasting Company. We're back with Old Time Radio Essentials. This is Dave with Paul and Pete. <laughs> that was an episode of Gangbusters <laughs> called, I can't say this with a straight face, The Case of Harry Red Beaver, originally broadcast December 22nd, 1953 by the American Broadcasting Company, or ABC. Paul, dude, this was your selection. Why, in the name of all that is good, true, and holy, why did you choose it? I got to know. <laughs> I thought it'd be good for a laugh, so. <laughs> uh -huh. I thought we were playing a little too grown up with that whole Shakespeare bit, so I figured, you know, we need to be a little bit more juvenile. <laughs> and I just found it fascinating listening to this episode. It's like how some terms are just so different when given the lens of time, you know? No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, but come on. Let's call this episode Harry Red Beaver. Can you imagine that nowadays? Somebody coming up and going, hey, I got an idea for our TV show. Let's call this episode Harry Red Beaver. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, we can't do that. I'm sorry. I'd like to know if that was his real name or if they changed it from something else. That's <laughs> him. Is what his name was really Sam Jones, you know? But they changed it to right. Harry Red Beaver. Just, What's funny is a, this this show ran for like 21 years, you know? Yeah, and. It had spinoffs in comic books, in books, a TV show. It had movies. a couple of movies and everything. Yeah. And the, it's the like role I playing the first game. episode <laughs> had to do with John Dillinger. Big name in crime. Sure. Big name in yeah. crime, John Dillinger. The second episode, I think, had to do with uh, Babyface Nelson. Another big name in crime. Right, right. I think around the upper 80s, they started kind of petering out with the really good crime names and came up with the Harry Red, Red Fever. Fever. <laughs> so, so, so aside from the name, Paul, what, what, what did you think about the episode? It was, oh, I thought it was, it was funny. And, you know, I know they weren't really trying to be. But it was, I couldn't help it. It was funny. Um, 
the opening, my God, the opening was so in your face with the squealing tires and the guns and the sirens and that. It wasn't exactly what you would call subtle, no. you know, but it gets, gets its point across. And I'm sorry, but if you're interviewing or even pretending to interview actual people who are in law enforcement, maybe get a stand-in actor to play <laughs> them because... Commissioner Valentine. Guy, oh, I'm going to guess this was probably live radio, and you get someone who's not an actor in there, and, oh, my God, I would love to use your pen. You know? It was, but it made I, me feel like a good actor, for God's sake, and that's not easy. <laughs> but uh, it was it was an interesting story. Now, if you listen, I was looking all over the stinking place trying to find the cast for this episode, and I couldn't find them anywhere. Yeah, no, you know? no mention and, of them in the credits at all. Yeah, no. no. And so I was listening to it, and I, uh, the guy who played Harry Red Beaver, um, <laughs> I think it was Dan Duryea. If you know Dan Duryea, he was always playing the bad guy because yeah, he was always he, he usually kind of played the heavy yeah. kind of Weasley kind of bad guy. If you ever saw a great movie called Ball of Fire, it had uh, Barbara Stanwyck and Gary Cooper in it. Well, they they get mixed up with the mob, and one of the guys there, his his name is uh, Pastrami, <laughs> and it was Dan Duryea who was playing Pastrami in this. And so, yeah, I'm like, oh, that voice sounds familiar. So I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was Dan Duryea, which would be really coincidental if it was Dan Duryea, because I'm from Peoria. The Duryea vehicle, which was questionably the first actual automobile in history, was built in Peoria, Illinois, and... We have a Duryea Street here in Illinois, or in, in Peoria, to honor Mr. Duryea. Wow. Somehow the, those two are related, but you never that know. That may be one of the most obscure connective tissue references you I like have that? ever freaking heard. I like that. that. Yeah. Damn. That was, that was loose. That was, <laughs> that was very, very that loose. That is cool. loose as the hairy red beaver. Stop with yourself. Oh, my God. Yeah, it might have been Dan Duryea because uh, uh, now that you mention it, and he was in uh, uh, High Sierra with Ida Lupino and Harry Bogart, Humphrey Bogart, Harry. Really? I was saying Harry, got Harry on the yeah. brain. Humphrey uh, Bogart. <laughs> Harry Red Bogart. Harry Red Bogart. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Too funny. Oh, man. So, so okay. What, what about you, Pete? <laughs> what was well, your no, well you're, you come next. You tell me. I, oh, okay. Because I've got a lot to say about this episode. Say it. Say it. Uh, Go for so, it. Go first for of it. all, the banter. Right off the bat, as soon as the script kicks in, we start getting actors acting instead of people telling us true crime case, case stories. We got, you're a snappy looking number. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you are, Cora. Yeah, you like you my are. dress? <laughs> Snappy looking number. And then and then oh no. That's Red Beaver. He's dynamite. It's like what is what is that? Is he is that good? What is he's dynamite? Is that bad? I was like, wow. And so much weirdness. There was like their first robbery, they get away with seven thousand yeah. dollars. And it's like, 
Wow, big haul. And I was at the end when they're offering the rewards in the real true crime tips, uh, the reward for the, the, the kidnapped kid, the reward was 8500 Yeah. Which was more than they got on the bank robber. More than <laughs> like, what the, the beaver got on his first bank robber rate. So, so I was like, okay, fine. And then the FBI guy saying, wow, wearing Halloween costumes during the bank robbery is a stroke of genius, quote unquote. <laughs> really? Wearing Halloween costumes is a stroke of genius? Holy crap. Um, I, want, I, I have a question. How does the waiter know that taking a bath in champagne has ticklish bubbles? How does the waiter know this information? <laughs> when, when, when Red says, I want to take a bath, he says, oh, no, sir, the bubbles tickle. How do you know that, man? I, I don't think yeah. I heard that. I, I must have missed that line. That's, uh, been, it's he was, he was waiting there a long time. And, yeah. you know, okay. yeah. Okay. Some nights after New Year's, there's a lot of leftover bubbly. Champagne. Yeah. And then the waiter <laughs> just fills <laughs> up a tub and settles in. It's like, ooh, ticklish yeah. bubbles. That okay. must be it. <laughs> um, plot holes, like, uh, and, and clearly they are adapting these stories to script and they're filling in some blanks because it's like the cops show up to Cora's apartment with a search warrant. How do they know Red's in the apartment? And if they have a search, why didn't they pick him up on the street? I mean, if they know he's there, why bust in like that? It's, I don't understand. The, well, the it logic waste too much time because it's only a half hour show. Okay. All right. Fair. I can, I, I can let that go. Um, <laughs> so, so spilling water into your jail cell is a cunning jailbreak? This is oh, the God, key. Yes. That goes back hundreds of years. <laughs> I don't know. I'm making it up. I was going to say, you've got to be BSing me. There is no... We're, we're going to pour water onto our cell room floor, and when they come in, we're going to hit them over the head and make a break for it. And, okay. And then, after this cunning plan, their solution to a police roadblock is to drive through it. Shooting. They're gonna drive, drive through, through it and oh, shooting and shooting. Yes, it's like, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm. The cops just didn't expect that at all. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You're missing and the then, subtle details here, Dave. He was driving through it and shooting. <laughs> I guess. I guess. But the the coup de gras was the finale when it turns out that the police, in order to lure Red to the police station without violence contrived to have two women get into a car accident outside of his room and then say, oh, you saw everything. Would you come down to the police station, sir? And he does. Dude deserves to go to jail. Oh, my God. <laughs> the cunning. Oh, wow. And then and then finally, the notion that ink can have 6,500 more words. Statistically, somebody <laughs> did that. They wrote down 6,500 more words. It's with not my the ink, ink, it's the pen. It's the no, pen. No, no it no, was the see, ink. This was the, was ink. the ink. Oh, okay. It was, the it ink. was their blue-black actual right. ink. Nothing yes. added, pure ink. Okay. That means you can write, and I quote, our after hour after hour. And it's like, really? Is this a selling point that I can write for hours and get writer's cramp, crippling writer's cramp with your ink? 
I'm sorry. That is not a selling point. I'm suing the Waterman Company for white writer's cramp. (laughs) Exactly. I'm crippled because of your ink. It's your fault. Um, (laughs) It's written by hand. The the sound effects were adequate. Um, But there's some things in the script in general that I had problems with. Uh, uh, Case in point, uh, when the cops bust in uh, uh, the first time, uh, and, and and Red says, well, what happens if I say no and I don't want to come in? And the cop says, if you say no, you'll come in like this. <laughs> and we hear nothing other than Red saying, no, no, I'm not going in. You can't take me. And it's like, what is he doing? I have no idea. Give, give us a clue. Give us a scuffle. He's something. wrestling the beaver. Wrestling the beaver. Exactly. <laughs> There's in, in gangbusters in general. There seems to be, you know, there's this old rule of writing, show, don't tell. And with gangbusters in general, and I've listened to a couple of episodes of gangbusters, so I know whereof I speak. Um, the real interesting stuff, they they cut away to, like the jailbreak. You know, we don't see the jailbreak. All we hear is these two gentlemen are on the run driving this vehicle with this license plate. Be on the lookout. And several times they they cut away from the really interesting action and go to voiceover. It's like, yes, and they escaped and doing this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but the interesting, you know, running the roadblock. We didn't actually hear the roadblock. Is it they've run the roadblock and we found this guy in a cellar later on. Uh, you know, I like yet, his voice when he does that. <laughs> and yet at the end, they play the hanging <laughs> the, the the single thing that has absolutely no audio, but we're going to run that scene all the way through to the end. It's like, <laughs> show you crime doesn't pay. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, I had the same <laughs> comment about Commissioner Valentine. Holy crap. Uh, that, that dude was not ready to be on radio <laughs> at all. <laughs> Give the boy. It's, uh, yeah. Talk about not ready for primetime players. Yeah. So, you know, definitely an interesting experience, but I, I have questions and issues. <laughs> I hear you. Pete, what about you? Well, I agree with all of the stuff you said, Dave and Paul. It's a, uh, um, to me, this episode was full of cliches and tropes and, <laughs> and, and the whole Slightly. thing from start to finish seemed like a, a, a bad play that was done in somebody's high school or junior high <laughs> um, um, with bad dialogue. It was written by a teacher for <laughs> for her drama class to do, <laughs> especially yeah. Commissioner Valentine was like oh the principal God. who came in to read those lines. <laughs> he wanted to be a star. Standing there with a the piece of paper in his Oh, hand. my God, yes. Um oh. Now I looked up Commissioner Valentine. Now this is a real guy, right? He it was really be. the commissioner of. Uh, they say the largest police force, but they didn't identify the city. He was he was the commissioner of New York police force. Wow! Uh, from Whoa. I looked him up. He was from 1935 to 1944, so or, or something like that. Eleven years. Um, wow. So he retired or resigned the, you know in the show they say he resigned and it you know that sounds kind of negative that he resigned but he yeah. had he was on the job for 11 years and he just felt that it was time for him to leave uh, um, and he was <laughs> offered 
a salary of $45,000 a year to be on gangbusters. Whereas wow. his wow. his salary for being commissioner was only $12,500 a year. Jesus so here Lord. he is making $30,000 more per year to be on gangbusters. And, and, and it didn't matter to them that he couldn't act. That he sucked. How he was like... <laughs> Because my favorite line, my favorite line, well, my second favorite line, I'll tell you my first favorite line in a minute. My second favorite line was, I would rather miss one of Mrs. Valentine's Valentine's home meals than to stop writing with this Waterman pen. And that was like, oh, my God. Yes. That that sealed that sealed the deal for me. Really, too. really it. horrible, yeah, horrible stuff painful, there. A little painful. Uh, but the the what isn't told is that he took this job in 1945, and then he was asked to go to Japan and and reorganize the Japanese civilian police in 1945, and he returned in December 1946, and he died. Oh my God! He passed oh. away in 1946, so he had this job, paying thirty forty five thousand dollars a year, for less than a year before he passed away. Wow! And it's like wow. It doesn't say how he died. The story I read in the New York Times, um, COVID. It doesn't say how he how he died, but he just passed away in 1945. But here's the thing: he joined the New York Police Department in. Uh, 1903, oh, geez. and worked his that's, way up to commissioner after 30 years service, and he was a Damn. favorite of Mayor LaGuardia because it, it seemed like LaGuardia was mayor and was was firing commissioner after commissioner, but but then Valentine comes in and he's a cop's cop, and he did his job. And fired a bunch of corrupt cops, and really improved the 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 police department, and made it uh, um, something to be proud of. Uh, but then, you know, he he has the job for eleven years and says, "Okay, time for me to leave." These these guys are offering me, you know, three times my 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 other salary to be on the radio, and then he's gone a year later. It's just really sad, yeah. really sad. Life is short. Life is short. Seized carpe diem, y'all. Yeah. So seriously, carpe really, diem. really weird. Uh, okay, so I'm going to tell you my first favorite line in Please. the show. Yes. <laughs> Harry Red Beaver, do you have anything to say in your defense? <laughs> there he is on the gallows, right? Harry Red Beaver. <laughs> Do you have any final? No one knows. Do you have any final words? <laughs> no, no. no. You're, you're gonna die. But go ahead and try and mount your defense now. Yeah, I didn't yeah. mean it. <laughs> I was just kidding. So, yeah. <laughs> sorry. All right. So there yeah. it is. Okay. This was All right. the ultimate in corny. The ultimate in in uh, a really really tired plot points you got the girl the woman who is oh god she was trying to be you know hey uh, now, a, hey a, a, a gun mall to harry red beaver 
and he beats <laughs> her and he treats her like crap and she still defends him because yeah. he's got that he's red hair. Red red yeah. He's got he's that red hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um I was not impressed with this episode. I've heard better ones for sure. All right. Well, then how about we vote? Okay. You guys ready to vote? Yeah. All right. So what are we voting on, dear listener? Allow me to elaborate. As a reminder, we are voting on A, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and two, (laughs) whether or not it is a standalone show that belongs in every Radio Aficionado's collection. And again, Paul... This was your uh, selection, um, your so you go first. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> See, and with that blurred background, you just look positively angelic. So please, give forth thy wisdom, Paul, of the blurred background. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I look at it this way. Somebody who is just starting off in old-time radio, mm-hmm. and they don't know what to expect. They don't know all, you know, the horses that have been beat to death and everything. <laughs> all the tropes, all the cliches. You know, they could start here for a little while, but you got to remember, this thing ran for 21 years. I find it really hard to believe that, you know, that was, I, I'll admit, I did not listen to every episode that they have. <laughs> um and but I find it really hard to believe that a high water mark of this show was Harry Red Beep, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and because, like you said, you know, all the rehashing that they did, it's like, oh my god, can we hear it done that way anymore? Yeah. You know, and so it was corny. It was poorly done in a lot of places. I, the one thing I did love, they did the radio sound effect. Wing, wing, or how I can't remember how it went, but I'm like, holy crap! Did anybody ever see the movie? Uh, what was it uh, Captain? Was it Captain Midnight? The one with Jude Law, where it was supposed to be like set in the 20s, but it was all like CGI. He flew a plane and everything. Oh, Sky and Captain the, in the world Sky of tomorrow. Captain. Yeah, Sky Captain, because they used the same sound effect in that movie when the <laughs> robots were communicating. Holy crap, that sounds familiar. That's that's, the, that's so, the ubiquitous I, radio there was signal. Some funny there things go. in there. If you didn't take it too seriously, if you just went in to laugh at the idea of it being Harry Red Beaver, well, it, <laughs> it okay. did its job. I, I've got a pool. Like laughing at the other people who you know weren't actors and going, uh, yes, I would like not miss my wife's dinner. Like you were saying, Pete, your second favorite line. And yeah. so it was entertaining. If you can really turn your brain off. So was so, it representative of the series? Yes or no? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> okay. And is it collectible? It could be. It depends on how much you want to snicker. Does this belong in every radio aficionado's collection, Paul? Oh, hell yeah. No. Vote? Yeah. No. no, okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. No, unless you really want something just really kind of kitschy and just kind of like, you know, I, I, I like things that aren't really all that good. There are people out there 
who do like things that aren't all that good. And this would be perfect for them. (laughs) This is is episode 28 of OTR Essentials, okay? Um, There is no equivocation accommodations in the rules of voting for no unless you like kitsch. It's yes or it's no, man. Yes or no. Damn it! Damn it! All right, no. All right, there we go. Pete, what about you, man? <laughs> to me, this is a throwaway. You know, it just like it was, the the <laughs> acting was horrible, the dialogue was terrible, the uh, uh, the guy who was the actual police commissioner was laughable <laughs> on the air. I was embarrassed for him. the The announcer comes in as if it comes, you know, follows up with with the police commissioner's terrible delivery as if he was a professional actor so that was kind of a a a nice thing he was being nice the announcer was being nice you know yes i'll pretend you gave good delivery yeah (laughs) but uh to me this was just uh terrible really horrible uh uh, episode of gangbusters i've heard a few and 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 just it if you Ladies and gentlemen, you can't actually see this, but he's He's, flinching. He's holding his head like it's about to split open. He looks like he is in actual pain. To me, the only good thing about the show is the title. (laughs) (laughs) Say it, Paul. You say it the best of all of us. Very red people. That's my Gildersleeve voice. Now, actually, I have, I have, I have, I've been doing a running tally because I knew this would be the case. I've been. Counting how many times Paul says Harry Red Beaver. How many? Uh, we're up to 18. <laughs> oh, that's it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. to me, this is unfortunately a true representative installment <laughs> of the Overdall series. Okay. But it's definitely not uh, collectible. <laughs> so it is not All a right. standalone show that belongs in every Radio Aficionado's collection. It's just, <laughs> just really... Uncollectible. <laughs> yes. This is the opposite of collectible. <laughs> um I I I so when when each of us hands out our selections, when we make our selections and, and it's approved and we hand out links to the the actual audio so we can all listen to it, um I had clicked the link that Paul had sent and through some bizarre fluke of circumstance I ended up not listening to this episode. I listened to a completely different episode, wondering why did they call this episode Harry Red Beaver? Because there's no Harry Red Beaver in this episode. So I have actually listened to two Gangbusters episodes back to back, and I can say unequivocally, this is absolutely representative of the Gangbusters series, because not only was the same production values, the same weird kludgy uh, uh, tell-don't-show uh, uh, script elements and adaptations, but in the episode I listened to, the crook got caught and escaped jail. So it's like, holy crap, is this a theme as well? Uh, I don't know, but uh, at least that one, <laughs> that guy pole vaulted over the wall rather than Ooh, letting oh my the God. water. <laughs> I know, right? He was an athlete, yeah. So I can say unequivocally, yes, this is definitely representative of the series. And Harry I, Red Pole Vaulter. See, and that counts. I'm going to put that 18 and a half. <laughs> That's 18 and a half. Here we go. 
But his last name was Beard, so I was waiting for some sort of tie-in with Beard and Beaver, and it just never happened. Harry um, Red Beard Beaver. Beard Beaver. I didn't know what was coming. Uh, is it collectible? God, no. Under no circumstances. There was nothing redeemable about this. Uh, uh, nothing to distinguish it, I think, from from anything else out there uh, uh, in any way, shape, or form. So in the final tally... Once again, and this is this is unprecedented, I think, in the history of this. Twice in a row, gentlemen, we are in complete agreement. <laughs> and yes, we all agree it is representative of the series, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, because is it collectible? A resounding, echoing, and definitive, oh, hell no. No. Uh, is, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so there we go. We, uh, is, we have an accord. The question is, being this bad... How the hell did it run 21 years? It spawned comic books, books, uh, a TV series, and two movies. I'm just okay. hoping the production ba- value is better on the other stuff. Look, the aesthetic, I mean, honestly, the, the, the audiences, I mean, audiences grow more sophisticated with each generation as, as media and the stories that media shares become more sophisticated, more uh, uh, intricate, more evolved. Uh, the audience's expectations rise with it. Uh, and so consequently, this was, this was, this was like the national Enquirer, I think this was, this was, you know, <laughs> lurid pulp fiction. You know, we we're going to show you the hanging on radio, but yeah. you know, there you go. <laughs> and at the end, there's real crime tips that you average citizen can help make America safe. And so I think all of that, you know, drawing in, I think that's what, what brought people back. And then once you get a certain level of adoption and investment on the part of the culture, then it starts taking on it. I, I don't think the content mattered anymore once it reached that zeitgeist that that event horizon of wow everybody we're episode 80 so it's gangbusters that's what became the the platform for all the other spinoffs and stuff true and and i have to say let me interrupt that for just a second paul described the uh, opening sequence with the the police whistle and the sirens and the the shooting and and the yep. screaming and all that that I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase come in like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. That's where that comes from is yeah. it was in your face. It was yep. uh, lurid. Like, like, like Dave said, it was exciting and people listened to it because it was something that they themselves may not have been experiencing in their lives so why do, why is Weekly World News so popular? Why is National Enquirer so popular? It's because people want to have that lurid life to to kind of uh, 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 compare their own lives to. So yeah, you need to know about the so. alien Elvis baby. <laughs> exactly. And 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 who is you know Angelina Jolie sleeping with or whatever you know whatever whatever, whatever the the latest tabloid sensation is that poor woman. And I have to say, I own a Waterman pen, and it's high quality. So I was it wondering, is. I was wondering, and, and and Waterman pens nowadays are very high up there in 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 the in pen scale, uh, um, um, in in terms of like it's the Rolex of fountain pens. So Dude, my friend James got one as a gift, and it includes this 
incredible, almost purple prose description of the incredible gift you have just been received of having a Waterman pen. My God, put this on an altar. It is so sublime <laughs> as pens go. And it's this whole ad copy that's like, I bought the pen. You don't need to sell me anymore. But here we are. Yeah, so, yeah. Wow. So so it may not have been the same level in 1945 <laughs> that it is today. <laughs> they sure they think they are. Time according to the advertisement. Wow, big bucks back then. Big bucks. <sighs> so what's next, Paul? Well, folks, this brings us to the end of episode 28, or if you live in a parallel universe, episode 3 of season 3 with Pete Lutz, Dave Robinson, and me, Paul RBC. We're very happy you joined us, and in looking at our highly technical Excel spreadsheet, I see that next month is Pete's Choice. What do you have for us, Sparky? I'm so glad you asked me that question, Paulie. Next month, I'm handing the reins over to one of our listeners, an old buddy of mine, Rick, from Whoa. junior high and high school days, whom I believe will be bringing us an episode of the Bob Hope Show. Dude, that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. And will, your, will, will your buddy be joining us on the show? I believe he will be taking part in our rollicking, highly skilled, and technically pertinent discussion. Wow, wow. That that's some serious thesaurus uh, action right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Technically pertinent. Okay. Well, anyhow, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun, Pete. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's 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 about time to wrap up. So, Dave, Pete, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe on Apple or any other podcatcher you may use by searching under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company. Please follow us on the Twitter at Essentials Old. If you want to suggest a future episode, write us at f6.3 at gmail.com. That's the letter F, the number six, the word point, P-O-I-N-T, and the number three at gmail.com. Put the word essentials in the subject line. Remember, friends, we're always happy to hear from our listeners, so please do send us feedback and suggestions. And if you didn't catch our email when Pete spelled it out... Even he did it so many times, you had to get it. But even if you didn't, rewind and listen again, or just look for it in the show notes. Are you bitter? Don't be bitter, Paul. He's bitter. I'm not bitter. He's bitter. Oh, by the way, we're at 19. Harry Red Beaver. <laughs> and even 20. And if you'd like to be a guest programmer, it's so easy. Just send 75 cents and two box tops from packages of starched wheat cereal. I love starched wheat. Starched wheat. The groaning cereal. Bump, but up, bump. And let us know which episode from which series you'd like to discuss with us. Or just send us an email. Okay, I think it's high time we wrap things up, don't you? Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Pauly. And friends, please join us next month for another fun installment of Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Toodles. Happy New Year. Toodles.
now, friends. Adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen. How does he make his voice do that? <laughs> That's awful buttery. I know, it's buttery. <laughs> my, my signature trademark. And two <laughs> box tops from packages. Blah, blah, blah. And let us know which episode you from... <laughs> let me do that again. Blah. Wait a minute. 63 Audio. This is Mutual. Are you in the mood for a good laugh? <laughs> or maybe a good scream? How about some childlike wonder? Or a thought-provoking mystery? Then get your ears ready for a treat, because the Mutual Audio Drama Network presents shows every day for your enjoyment. Each day is a different genre featuring the talents of a huge pool of audio drama masters. Oh, and some clever comedy creators as well. <laughs> Subscribe to the Mutual feed and get them all, or choose the genres you really love. Ooh. You'll find the Mutual Audio Network at all your favorite places, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, EarBuddies, Podcast-O-Rama, Casting Call, Codpast, and wherever quality shows are found. Okay, I made a few of those up. Or simply go online to MutualAudioNetwork.com. And of course, it's all free. free. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Listen and imagine together. Maintaining social distancing, of course.